there is no conversation a lot of times because people are afraid to make mistakes when they say something when in fact this actually creates conversation where we realize hey wait a second that was wrong and somebody made you aware of it and then you change your behavior and you change your way of thinking listening to the sustainability issue a podcast about sustainable fashion and mindfulness it is about calling out the worst practices of the fashion industry the things that have led to the devastating impact fashion has on the natural environment and the human lives involved in the process it is also about the people within the industry who are driving the change for the better and finally it is about you about reconnecting to our nature as human beings and realizing the big impact our everyday actions have on the world around us. I'm Desi Gurgieva. I'm so happy that you're here and let's dive right in. Dear friends, over the past two seasons, the sustainability issue has often been featured as top podcast in its category with guests such as Ursula de Castro, Sadhguru, and so many more, which is incredible. And I thank you so much for making this happen together with me. In this season three, we're going to dive deeper into the topic of mindfulness. Because mindfulness, when applied to business, makes any industry more sustainable. And I know we're all here to ultimately make this world better than we found it. Mindfulness is a topic very dear to my heart and central to my work. And it touches everything we do as human beings on this planet. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Today I'm very excited to welcome to the podcast Sabrina Zatzinger. Sabrina is the founder and maker behind Saborka, a vegan bag brand based in Vienna, Austria. Sabrina makes timeless, unique and high-quality accessories for all walks of life, fairly produced in-house by the founder Sabrina herself. Craftsmanship, local production, responsible use of resources and materials are at the core of everything Saborka does. Without further ado, let's jump right into my conversation with Sabrina. Hello, Sabrina. Hi. Welcome to the Sustainability Issue and welcome to my home. I love it here, by the way. It oh, looks beautiful. I'm so excited that you're here. Super nice to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. I've been, we've been wanting to do this for a very yeah, long time, I know. And, but I think happy. I'm ready. It's awesome that we made it. And um, do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners first? Very good. So hi, everybody. Um, my name is Sabrina. I'm the founder of Saborka, which is like a vegan, which is like, I'm sorry, which is a vegan bag brand here in Vienna. And I work mainly with um, faux leather materials, um, primarily dead stock. And a few years ago, I started working with Pinatex, which is a um, vegan leather alternative made from pineapple leaf fiber that I'm really excited about because it's 95% made from renewable and natural materials and resources. So that's a very good, good material to work with. That's awesome. And how come fashion? 
How did you get into this space? I feel like I just stumbled into it. <laughs> I mean, I started a fashion school. I don't know if you know that, like back in when I was 14. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did like the five-year school program in Austria where I graduated basically with a seamstress degree and a diploma. And then I went into a completely different direction, but I really, really loved sewing always, but not so much the fashion industry. Like mm-hmm. I just love creating. It's so much fun. And it's like, just having something flat and then being able to create something other people can wear is just so exciting and cool because and also you have like the direct effects of what you're doing as well um but for me like the whole business side of it wasn't very like appealing and also the fact that you have to network a lot and people have to know you in order to sell products that was something that kind of I don't know turned me off about it um but while I was studying one of my friends he had like a local t-shirt brand back in 2010 and it was called uh, dead souls clothing shout out to kevin novak like Mm -hmm. he's a really cool person um and he wanted to like kind of help me be creative again and so he asked me if i wanted to like design a a few like a backpack with him and sew them and sell them at a market so that was like my Mm -hmm. first real like experience like creating something that's been sold um and that was really exciting and then a few years later people kept approaching me about the backpacks and if I wanted to start something and then I just decided to do something on my own but it was just very like a an eve project on the side during school so it wasn't something that I ever thought would be a business and then a few years later I decided that I really love doing it and I feel you can make just way more impact when you have your own business because you have like so much access to all the different fields whether that's like accounting or hr later on and what materials you use and what your what your ethics is behind your brand and this is something that i was really excited about doing because i felt like there and also mind you when i first started there weren't that many bag or backpack brands out there because mm-hmm. i started in 2016 and i feel like it was like 2017 2018 a lot of backpack brands all of a sudden started popping up like ping pong and like captain and son and all these other brands and before that there was like literally nothing on the market because i have like huge back problems and i felt like there has to be like a backpack mm-hmm. out there that you can wear that looks good for the office but also mm-hmm. like private and not just wearing an East pack that's just very sportive. And I feel like now there's like so much out there, but back then it wasn't, and this is why I started and and I'm still at it, so. <laughs> Six years later. <laughs> I love it. And you partially already answered this, but if you have to say one thing, what's your why behind mm-hmm. what you do? I just, my why is I wanted to give people the opportunity to buy something that's locally produced. That was like foremost one of the most important things was just craftsmanship because that a lot of people might not know that but in austria um it's kind of like a dying art form making bags a lot of people that used to learn it um are retiring or have retired and are really not interested in passing on their knowledge mm-hmm. and so i think there's only one school Hetzendorf, in austria that teaches that and other than that there's not a lot of ways that you can actually learn this craft and for me, it was just important to kind of show, hey, there's a lot of beauty in creating a product locally um, and also kind of to also elevate the job of a seamstress because we always have seamstress or workers, you know, and this is how they that's what they get paid for. And then you have like white collar jobs and who are paid way better. And I just don't really like this hierarchy of like payment because we all take part in this world that we live in and i feel like everybody should get paid their due 
and for me like making the bag myself just i just wanted to show hey making a bag is something it's a skill that that you have to hone it's a craft that you that you need to practice and if you put a lot of passion behind it and hard work then it will create a beautiful product and then everybody can do that um and so for me that yeah craftsmanship like was by far like one of the driving forces behind it and because like now i feel like it's not so much a a problem anymore because people are questioning more of the who's making their garments now that fashion revolution is like such a big big thing and people are really concerned with that more but when i first started in 2016 sustainability wasn't really a word that i that i knew so it was like very like it just developed over time and so when i first started i was just like i just want to make bags i want to show people hey every product is made by somebody because when they say oh yours are so cool they're handmade Mm -hmm. and i'm like that's very nice but at the end of the day a lot of product like most products are handmade um and i feel like we've just removed the person from the product Mm -hmm. and so it was okay for people to pay 20 bucks for a bag that's just not that's not possible like when i look at even cheap h&m bags i'm like how is it this cheap like this person at least took like half an hour to make this so where's that money um, and so that's that was like one of the main things. So like for me, humans are like so important, and they have to yeah get paid um, well. I can relate so much to this, and you are so expi- inspiring. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> for that's me, so sweet. exactly because of that, because uh, you do change. I mean, I see with how much passion you create your products and uh, all the hard work that goes in, and. Um, I think you definitely managed to uh, also for, for people in your community to change this perception mm-hmm. of you know the maker of the product and for me this is also so big also because I come from Bulgaria and we do have this tradition of craftsmanship and mm-hmm. producing bags as well and also like clothes and there are many factories but uh, unfortunately there's not much respect for this work mm-hmm. anymore while i don't know um 30 years ago it was a completely different story and i did and that's why i think this is so beautiful what you're doing with saborka thank you i appreciate it you touched on the fashion industry and the things that are going wrong with it mm-hmm. what do you think are the um, the worst things that we need to fight right now <clears throat> i think it's like supply chain i mean we have uh lifaketten cassettes coming soon so a lot of more companies in austria have to really prove and show where all the resources they're using for them for their products are coming from and i feel like that's like one important part because a lot of times what you see in the fashion business is companies designing things and all the responsibilities on the producer when in fact they are actually responsible because they are paying the producers and if they're not paying them properly they have to make sure that they get enough and so the person that's actually sewing the product or manufacturing it is not getting anything and even worse um, most of the time very worse off because of that and i feel like we just have to make sure that every person that is involved in creating something has to be responsible for every single part that goes into it and i feel like that's once we shift the responsibility and say you are also responsible for everything that goes into your product i feel like then people will also change how they do business and how they create their own fashion um i feel like that's probably one of the most important things because again people just like to point the blame into other directions when really big players like h&m or other fast fashion brands they really have the power to change something but they choose not to because there's no incentive for them to do it and unfortunately like being human is really not at the forefront of what they're doing 
and yeah. taking care of people and planet so i feel like that's probably and along with that goes also like transparency for them to actually prove with whom they're working with because it wouldn't it be neat to know okay this is the factory that this t-shirt is made of like do they actually follow the guidelines do they protect their workers is that all in place but right now you you don't have that and even for me as a small business that some of the materials especially the dead stock materials i know where i purchased those from but there's not a lot of transparency in like where these fabrics come from and how they were created so for me, yes, that stock is still a great option, but it still doesn't offer me the transparency that I would want to have for my product because I want to give that transparency mm. also to my customers. So it's just kind of like, there's just so much yeah. that we can talk about there's about so this yeah. to fix and <laughs> so much to work on. There's a lot about it and there's a lot of uh, work that goes into this as well as we see um you exactly. talked about materials and tell me about your materials how do you choose them and mm-hmm. what is important for you okay so one of the most important thing is is it vegan so this is like the question that i always ask myself is it vegan because for me i i don't want any animal products to be used in my products um because when I first started out, um, I was looking for like a good alternative to leather. So it was that stock for leather that I used because it was a lot cheaper and it allowed me to, as a small business, to actually like purchase them at a reasonable price and also sell my products at a reasonable price or disclaimer what I thought at that point was a reasonable price because when you first start out you have no idea what you have to look forward, what you have to watch out for when it comes to pricing. <clears throat> but The other thing now is also I'm trying to source materials that are just in a lot of more ways sustainable. For example, when I first started working with Pinatex back in 2019, I think it was, um, I was very drawn to the company because they were the only vegan leather alternatives that were super transparent from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the times when even for consumers like for example if you were interested in pinatext you can just type in pinatext and you go get their you will navigate it directly to their homepage and you can find out all there is to know and i feel like this is so important because when when you look at other vegan leather alternatives a lot of times it's very it seems very secretive mm-hmm. you don't really know what's going on mm-hmm. and you have to be as a producer you have to like first email them say i'm interested in samples and find out more information but it's not as transparent. I'm not saying that they're not trying to be transparent. I feel mm. like sometimes you just have blind spots in your company where you don't even know that people have mm. questions, you know, because you think yeah. like, oh, it's obvious. It's a, it's yeah. a natural material. But like, I want to know like what goes into that. Mm. And with Pinatex, what I found very cool was that they and actually Pinatex list. Is made out of uh, pineapple. Yeah, it's ma- yeah I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Pinatex is made from pineapple leaf fiber, mm. actually the waste from the pineapple harvest. And the company is called Ananas Anam, and they are actually from the UK. And the founder, she's been working in the vegan, like in the leather industry for a very long time. And she said there must be something out there that's better for our planet because leather is really shouldn't be the answer for us. And she was spending a lot of time in the Philippines, and that's where she discovered that there are so many like pineapple farms and the leaves actually. So the pineapple like it grows from the ground up. And the leaves that are used for that are actually the leaves at the bottom. So you will never see Mm. them. And they're really quite tall. And they basically separate the fibers from the leaf. And then they wash it in the rivers, dry it there. And then it's turned into a mesh fabric. 
um, and I think, well, like actually it's not a fabric, it's a fiber. Um, then, and it's <clears throat> what's so interesting about it is because it's, it's actually waste. Usually mm. you would just burn it. Yeah. That was like the regular thing that they did. And she said, you know what? It's a resource that we have that we don't need any like additional fertilizer, water, whatever for, or land for it. It's already that's there. So it's already cool. being used. And so I feel like that's just a very like interesting way of looking at things. Like what do we have that we usually throw out or burn yeah. or feel it's useless and give it use. And also another thing is they created over 100 jobs in the Philippines just because of Pena Texan. It's really nice to know that they're actually supporting local farmers because now they have additional income because they can actually sell the fibers. Um, they created new jobs because people have to make sure that the fibers are being taken care of and processed. Um, and for me, this is what true sustainability is. It's not just how can I take care of the earth and of the resources that it provides us, but also the human beings that are on this planet. How do we really give them their due and give them money to live and not just minimum wage but livable wage where they can actually create something i have a funny story about that <laughs> because so i'm selling a couple of my products in brussels at a concept store and one of so the founder of that concept store she recently emailed me a photo of actually a guy that works on those farms and he was like in belgium visiting and he was so excited to like actually see a product made from the fibers that he helped create and i thought it was just so cool and for me this is just what i mean and this person like she said he was also very proud when he talked about the fiber and it's just so nice that they know they're part of the change and they're not just like anyone they're like really important in and allowing me to mm. create sustainable products so i feel like this is why we need to like really honor and acknowledge everybody that's involved in this product because if people like the founder of pinatex wouldn't have created this fiber if people on the ground wouldn't be processing the fibers correctly and would be willing to do that there would be no pinatex and there would be no other option so i feel like we all play a vital role in why we can live a more sustainable and life so yeah i love that <laughs> thank you i love that too i feel like just like it's a very holistic approach and yes. i feel like this is what a lot of times people don't really pay attention to i mean the topic sustainability it's like so hard to define because it means so many different things to so many different people there's no common definition right? yeah exactly so it can be misused and it can be abused and it can also be if you don't really talk about what your sustainability approach is, nobody will know. And I feel like this is what we should really talk about more, like what does sustainability mean in in combination with your business? And because we can all take part in being more sustainable and we all have different approaches that are also important that need to have a focus on. So, yeah. Yeah. So planet and people yeah exactly <laughs> and we were part of the planet you know i yeah. feel like a lot of the times we people always think that those are like not intertwined yeah. with each other but if the planet is healthy we're healthy yeah exactly so, i mean it's the same right it's yeah. even like the the matter that we're made of it's the same exactly so i feel like it's just a shame that we always feel like we're different because that's what it feels like mm -hmm. we're different from nature we're apart from it um, but it's really not the case. So I feel like that's also how we need to like change the fashion industry. 
Yeah, totally. not just exploited. And if the fact that people are not finding plastic in human bodies is not proof of that. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I don't know yes. What is. <laughs> Sorry. They're like, well, now we exist out of, now we're all yeah. made from plastic, so might not as well yeah. continue using it. <laughs> Something like that. Okay. And tell me more about there's this big discussion um, vegan versus non vegan leathers or yeah normal leather what do you think about that what's your take yeah well we've already talked about it a little bit before before (laughs) we went on record because this is actually a topic that's very important to my heart because i feel like there are a lot of misconceptions about what vegan leather is and it also has a slight bad aftertaste because people are always like yeah vegan is just you're just trying to hide the fact that it's not sustainable um but at the end of the day most leather i would probably say my wild guess here is like 90 percent of all the leather that you're purchasing <clears throat> is actually chromed leather so it goes through a lot of chemical processes in order to actually get the color it has has the longevity <clears throat> that it has and that it provides you with and that also comes at a cost because a lot of the times when it's not when it's very chemically um chromed leather that usually doesn't happen in Europe because we have a lot of strict guidelines. It happens in other countries where also rules and regulations are lower. And so there's a lot of risk, not only for the environment, for rivers, polluting, but also for the humans that are involved in dyeing and chroming these materials. So I feel like that's one thing. And every material has its ups and downs. I feel like the most important thing is once you've decided on a material, you just have to know what are its strengths, what's our, what, are it we- what are its weaknesses, and how do you want to combat those weaknesses when you're producing. So for example, there is right now, I have to be honest, there's no vegan leather alternative out there that has the longevity of real leather. Mm. there just isn't because they all have certain parts that are might might be a little bit weaker or and also when you know they're weak parts sometimes it's also about pattern making i've noticed Mm. some patterns you give longevity to the material by changing the pattern of a backpack for example and these are things like if you know that you can actually prolong the life of a product by just making simple changes and other times, if you you can create longevity of a material, if you say you offer repairs, which is also something that I offer, because at the end of the day, every vegan leather is so different. Um, none of them are really ever the same, so you don't really know at the beginning really what mm. what it offers and what strengths and weaknesses has. And so I feel like that's like one of the big parts. But I feel like it's also again at the end of the day leather is from animals and it's more of a it's also a lot of like a big ethical question of whether you want to wear that um because at the end of the day it's not it's not like with pinatex it's not a wasteful product that is then being saved and turned into something it's a byproduct of the meat industry and i feel like we have to really focus on the it's a byproduct and it's also driving a lot of those farms and helping them gain profits because they're also selling the animal hides and i feel like this is something that we should start talking about more because if we decide to not excuse me purchase so much leather then also meat consumption will probably very likely go down so i feel like these are all connected with each other so this is just a very like important thing that people should have a look at 
And again, there are so many new materials on the market now who have been around for like 10 years or something, like Pinatex. When people ask me about the longevity of those materials, my answer is, I don't know. They have been around for 10 years. Come talk to me in 40 years and I will know what the longevity of this material is. But I feel like one of the cool things about all these new sustainable materials, they are sustainable in the, in the, in the aspect because these companies know what's at stake they want to improve and they continuously acquire feedback from their producers. Mm-hmm. Pinatex regularly reaches out to me about, is there any feedback that you have? We have new changes. Can you tell me more about like how that impacted your production line? And these are all things as long, like communication is such an important part. And I feel like the lender industry, they don't need to communicate with mm-hmm. the producers. They have been doing the same thing mm-hmm. for generations and they're not out here trying to improve anything yes you have vegetable tan leather i don't want to be completely bad about negative about that and that's also like a better version of real leather um for as it's instead of like chromed leather but at the end of the day there's still chemicals involved it's still animals who also use a lot of land and resources and water and are still part of the whole emission problem so i feel like there's just so many factors that go into that and with and I'm, I'm in a few weeks, I'm going to receive a few samples from a new company called Uncaged Innovations from New York. Um, and I'm so excited about mm-hmm. this material because it's made from biomaterials. And <clears> the name already. Yeah. <laughs> and it's what's so cool. It's They use a lot of um, resources that I usually use to feed livestock animals. Mm. So it's kind of like we still have use for these things by creating something new out of it. And apparently it should... They strive to have the longevity of real leather and also the feel of real leather. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, really curious about like working with it and touching it because there are definitely, especially from a production standpoint, where leather is just sometimes easier to work with than faux leather because faux leather usually has like a backing. So you can see that it's like a woven material and then it has a coating that you see on the outside. Mm-hmm. And because the backing usually doesn't look nice, you have to put a lining in so that adds additional work time. And with real leather, a lot of the times they just go without the lining because mm-hmm. they just that's just leather. You don't have to use it. And it's so it's it doesn't take as long to make certain bags. But the price is still higher. So it's yeah. it would be nice to have similar approaches as well to know, okay, we can offer you an alternative, which is also not as pricey because we don't have to mm. put additional work in to put a lining in for it to be practical, beautiful, and usable. Yeah. I love that you are very transparent about <laughs> like this in the end nobody knows. <laughs> I mean, like who knows what is what is you know the perfect there's no perfect solution but i think it what you said is very important is actually um you know having this constant communication with partners like you for example Mm -hmm. by the companies and really looking to improve um things for the industry and for our planet long term and i think this commitment is one of the most important things for brands and for material producers Mm -hmm. and all stakeholders involved for sure. And I feel like before we start, I don't know if I mentioned this here, but I think before we start recording, I mentioned that it's also important that you as a producer, because of the materials that you're using, you can also provide longevity to a product by also offering 
to, to have customers return their items after they use it mm. to create something new or to help recycle the materials that you use. Because a lot of times once a product is produced, companies exactly. feel like it's not their responsibility yeah. anymore what happens to it. But in a true, truly sustainable world, you would also be still responsible because you created the product. So you're responsible for yeah. it. And not just like I'm producing it you're purchasing it now it's your problem and this is how fashion works now it's your problem what are you going to do with the backpacks you don't anymore the, the shoes you don't need anymore so you donate them and then it's you so end wild. up in landfill somewhere else and it would be so much better because you as a producer know exactly where the material came from so maybe you can also return that material to the person yeah. that made the material and then help create something new out of that and create like this circle loop so you don't even need the longevity of a material anymore because you know they can they find ways in order to reuse that material that is not usable anymore it is so true and it is such a big responsibility putting anything um yeah into the world a physical product mm -hmm. right and so this companies like there is she in nowadays that is like the largest fast fashion company mm -hmm. right now which has also almost turned into or is already a tech company but they actually mm -hmm. make clothes and put like i don't know how many uh, hundreds of thousands of new clothes out there yeah every day what is it yeah um, i saw the chart it was yeah horrifying. this is so wild and uh, i'm thinking this is just a big responsibility of the company of the producer of the material and even on the consumer side we need to understand this responsibility as consumers that whatever we buy or whatever we own we somehow need to know what to do with it afterwards mm -hmm. it's gonna exist so yeah i've been thinking about this even the other day because we did a flea market and i got something second hand and then you don't think about it as a new resource but still you have to deal with it somehow mm -hmm. so how do you deal with this um in your company you mentioned already you do offer repairs yeah do you think this is how we need to deal with this on a bigger scale i don't know i know h&m even they have this mm -hmm. take back programs but most of the times this is greenwashing exactly i feel like this is where the future of small businesses will always kind of This is why they will always have a future because these things on a smaller scale are sometimes easier to do than on a larger scale because with big companies you have a huge logistic aspect with me i'm in vienna you can send it to my my studio apartment and then i'll fix it for you and send it back but obviously the more customers you have the more logistics are involved in this process but i definitely feel like If the company knows exactly what materials they use and who, who they're working with, they can then ensure that even if they can't offer repairs, they can say, okay, you can send it back to us and we will make sure that this is then turned into something new. Or maybe they create even patterns that they know once this item has a ripped seam, we can cut something new out of it. Like there's so many ways of approaching the circular economy in fashion. Um, but I feel like, again, even though it's logistic, it's... It, probably like it poses a lot of problems there's also so much that you can do with logistics i'm a huge fan of logistics by the way mm -hmm. like when you don't when you're not in the fashion scene you don't even realize how much logistics and supply chain management is important with 
any product. So shout out to everybody who works in that field. You're amazing. Because they are actually the future. I mean, it's also a lot of data and tech that goes into that. And I feel like if bigger companies like fast fashion brands will actually use that. But at the end of the day, I don't really believe that they're going to change their ways. I feel like unless laws are being put into place yeah. that make sure that this will happen, I feel like for me, the most sustainable way would be to just support locals, to support local businesses, because that also ensures that you have more transparency about where the product is being made, where the materials come from. You have a direct partner that you can approach and say, hey, something needs repairing or I don't need it anymore. Can you do something with it? Mm-hmm. And also, I love fashion, mm-hmm. you know, and I I wouldn't, I hope that even in the future, we can still start exploring our own identities and what who we are through fashion. And by giving smaller companies our money by purchasing their products, it also means that we have more individualistic approaches to fashion. Because if you go to any fast fashion brands, they look very much alike right now. I feel like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you could kind of tell where the products have been purchased in a way. But now it's like a very like... (laughs) It looks very similar. And I feel like this would also give us an option to be more creative with our sense of fashion if we shop local and give more designers the chance to really show what they have to offer because vienna is a small city but we have so many great great creatives that a lot of people don't even know exist because it's so hard to gain yeah visibility and i feel like if you would start encouraging that more also on a political level as well because That would help I a wish lot. this would be the case indeed because there are so many amazing creatives that is true mm-hmm. and somehow it always comes down to this awareness that whatever you spend your money um, this is you know you're voting for the <laughs> type of world exactly put your money where your mouth is yeah, yeah. you want to see and I mean I agree with that to a certain degree because I also know that if people are now purchasing more pina text items obviously I'm gonna purchase mm. more pina tags and then that will probably be true for a lot of industries around the world and then investors will be more likely to invest in such endeavors so I feel like when it comes to that that's super important but I feel like we should really not um, forget how important political changes because a lot of the times things are just not been put into place unless there is an actual necessity for companies to do that because it requires maybe additional labor more money that is involved but if they need to do that and everybody needs to do that they will do it but if you're just doing it out of kindness of your heart but you know that all your competitors aren't doing it that puts you at a very finite, like yeah, at a disadvantage yeah. business-wise. And I feel this is why we need policies. I, I feel like there's a lot of companies that would even do it, but it's just, they would have such a disadvantage financially and economically that they're not doing it. Mm-hmm. So this is why level playing yeah. field, having these requirements, because maybe having these requirements would also mean that companies would get additional funding or financial support from Wirtschaftskammer, like the economic yeah. chamber, because they know companies need that. So, like, there are so many like factors that go into that. So, I feel like political changes in that respect are very important too. Not just because people are are bad and want to do harmful things, but it's just it is so if you're trying to be do good, that still financially and economically, 
it's just not feasible for a lot of brands to do that. It is so hard and such a good point. And shout out to political leaders <laughs> for legislation in this matter. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, it is it, it is the thing that's going to make, in the end, a um, big lasting change. Yeah. So... And um, what is new with Saborka? What are the things that excite you the most right now? Um, I feel like probably, as I mentioned, this new material that came out because it was such an honor. So I was at the Zoom call and all of a sudden the CEO, like the co-founder, one of the co-founders was present. And I was like, what is going on? Like, I'm such a small brand. Like, why is this person even talking to me? And it was so cool because for me, I'm just so in awe with people who create new materials because... Again, I as a designer, I I can be only as resourceful and sustainable as the materials that are being provided to me. And knowing that fun, these companies are finally receiving the funding that they deserve. I mean, it's still really hard out there. So there's currently, I think, trying to get like a another funding to to keep producing and keep exploring. Um, but just knowing that there are companies out there trying to make a change in such an impactful way is so cool to me and I'm really really excited to work this with this new material because again I'm not only a designer I'm also a producer I'm a maker and so I know the pain points and what is important about a material like and being taking part in this and them asking me for feedback also means that I get to shape a material that's actually useful it's so exciting yeah it's super <laughs> exciting and i hope that in a few weeks i'll receive the first materials and i will try out a few things and what to, to do with it and it also allows me to give my consumers and the people that support me a different material that they can try out because i feel like I, you, you don't even know how many of my friends love leather Mm. and so they love my brand but they say they just they just don't feel my vegan leather they just mm. don't like the pina text and for me i also want to reach those people who who are really looking for an actual perfect leather substitute yeah. because yeah. it's, like it's the same with me meat, right <laughs> exactly i mean i've been a vegetarian since 2009 and just in recent years there's been so much on the market yeah. i mean i have just i did i stopped eating it for different reasons but I think it's so cool that you also offer people who really want to have that meat feeling. Mm. It's the same with like non-alcoholic beer. A lot of people just like love I, beer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You just want to have a beer. Exactly. And, offering, <laughs> and the burger. <laughs> exactly. So I feel like offering people that is just so important. And I feel like a lot more people would opt for these alternatives mm. if they have it. And yeah. this is why we come back to we as a consumers actually have a yeah. lot of power because if we show them hey wow people are very interested in this new vegan leather alternative or people are trying out new ways then investors who are actually really the power movers here will invest in the right brands and companies to make a change and then we can actually show them because mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. consumers they don't know what materials are out there yeah you and just want like a nice feeling that you enjoy and uh, whatever you yeah it's about the experience it's the same with uh, yeah with food as we said mm -hmm. already i mean i think this is the only way actually to reach mass market because there is a certain segment of the market that is going to make a sacrifice so to say or change their behavior it's not a sacrifice but it's just mm -hmm. like change behavior because they want to support a small business because they want to yeah um 
be take more sustainable decisions, live in a more sustainable way. But to reach this mass market that is um, kind of wants to do all those things, but in the end kind of also finds an excuse not to. Mm -hmm. um, I think, yeah, then you really have to tap into innovation to find ways to satisfy this part of the market. Absolutely, because changing person's behavior is so hard. Mm. I mean, there are so many startups out there who have great ideas, but they would require society to change so drastically that a lot of the approaches are just not feasible. And I feel like giving people actual alternatives that they can live with without them feeling that they have to mm. change something about their lives people are lazy at the end of the day and people like what they like and it's so like unless you give it You're to them so <laughs> no but I'm, I'm saying like it's important to True. like know what pe how people are because that way you can actually yeah. create like create no, products and things for them to use mm -hmm. because a lot of my friends said well if if you have a material that i feel like is is pretty much like leather mm. of course i'll buy it <laughs> Of course, I would love being able to support a small business and know that no animal has been harmed in a process. Of course, I would do that. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like if you give people that alternative, then yes. And it's also a lot of just awareness. I remember because I've been working with vegan leather from the start and at the beginning, it was just petroleum-based leather. Okay. So just a disclaimer for everybody who doesn't know, but regular faux leather aka vegan leather is made from petroleum so that's mm -hmm. definitely not um a sustainable way of approaching so this is definitely a way that we should move away from but this is also i'm using dead stock by the way another disclaimer that stock is also <laughs> not the answer to everything because there's like this problem that a lot of companies know that their materials are going to be used again so they mm -hmm. They don't even change their ordering behavior because they know, oh, I'm just going to sell it for cheaper yeah. somewhere else and it's going to be fine. Yeah. So I feel like that's another issue, but that's a topic for another day. <laughs> I mean, you can still elaborate on that topic. <laughs> yeah, um, I could, that's true. But look, I've, I'm just, this is the thing with, with sustainability everything is so connected and when you start talking about one thing there's so many other doors that open where you say oh I, this is also connected with that and this is connected with that and then you just lose spin out of control and you don't even know what you actually wanted to say and this is why a lot of people are hesitant to even start tackling it because That's it's true. so complex it's and just it's like so this conversation shows that once you've Try to tackle one thing, you wait, wait, actually have to fix something else in order to tackle that first. And then it's just, you see how interwoven and problematic the whole fashion industry actually is. And it's just, it's absolutely insane. It's but you also touched on something that I think it's very important. We as human beings, we want to have this um, possibility for self-expression. I think this is what fashion came in for in mm -hmm. the first place and it's what it's always been and i think we are never gonna wanna you know give this up so in that sense the best thing we can do is just make every day you know the changes that are necessary and the the best way mm -hmm. we can do um That's to move true. in a good direction as you are doing so yeah or like all the other people that are in your podcast or you you know, I feel like we can all learn so much from each other. And this is why communication at the end of the day is so important. Not only me as a designer producer to the companies that make the materials, but also to me 
communicating with the consumer and also knowing what their pain points are and what they don't know. And this is also why I think it's so important that we all take responsibility in the products that we create as companies because you as an individual, we cannot we cannot make sure we can even we can expect you to know everything there is to know about every product that you buy about all the harmful things about all the positive things and this is why yes we as consumers have responsibility in what we're buying and how we take care of them i feel like these are things that we as consumers can actually have an impact on and also by deciding what to purchase but at the end of the day the main idea is that brands and any company really that creates anything whether that's a an actual tangible product or a tech or an app or app or whatever i feel like that these companies are responsible for what happens with the product after it's used and also maybe while it's used by offering care instructions on how to properly take care of the garment because you as an individual you have a busy life you know you can't know everything there is to know about every product so we need to provide you with as much information on how to take care of it what to do after and also we are responsible and we know what this for example i think maybe it's easier for people to actually have an idea of what i mean i know what a what the backpack that i'm making consists of i know what the pieces are i know what metal parts i can reuse for other products i also know hey i might have a hip back pattern that i can maybe put on the backpack after i assemble it basically and how can i create something new out of this material you as a person don't you don't know that you don't know which what material is recyclable which is biodegradable what you can reuse and you might not also might not have the skill set to re to um unassemble or it's like deconstruct it again and make something new of course there are people out there who are doing it but i feel like this is why we have experts in the field and they know what's what needs to be done and we need to be able as a consumer to also trust them and i feel like right now we can't most of the companies we can't trust because we have no idea what's going on behind mm. closed doors and we also don't know what to do with at the end of the lifespan and it's a responsibility that should not be on the consumer yeah. because you can't know everything there is to know this is why you go to a to a dentist because they know what's good for you and you trust them you wouldn't just like i don't know remove your own teeth because Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't trust this. I don't know what this person is doing. But you trust them because they're experts. And I feel like this is so important that we also start trusting companies. But right now, a lot of companies just don't give us a reason to trust them. Yeah. And they also don't give us the information, which is why transparency is so important as to like H&M campaigns. Where, is the, where are the products landing at that you're donating? They're just trying to make more money off of it and greenwashing it and dumping it somewhere in another country where it's somebody else's problems where they don't have regulations for it and i'm currently in the class at university about like um european internal market law and it's very interesting to see all that but it's i feel like a lot of the times they just being in the market and making money is still more important than actually having rules and regulations on what you were allowing other outside states to import yeah. so i feel there's like so much also on eu level that we need to change on that really would allow for this transparency and again you know best as an expert and you you can't 
you yeah. can't expect that of people like yeah. if i'm buying like something new i don't know how to take care of it and it shouldn't be implied that i you know it not everybody has that knowledge or and so this is why it's just so important for us to communicate as companies how to best take care of it what to do and to make it as easy as possible because we have busy lives and it's okay if we can't take care of everything that we purchase you know like but having this option like you purchasing something and knowing okay once it's broken once i've worn it for 10 years and i still love it so maybe you want to turn it into something new because you still love the fabric that it's made of or what if you say hey actually i don't have any use for it at all but maybe it can be turned into something new but i know i can return it to the store mm-hmm. and they will make sure that something is new is created out of that because materials are expensive resources i know that also as a small business they're it costs a lot of money to purchase these materials knowing that i could reuse some of that material also kind of lowers the burden of small businesses or business at all to have materials that you can use of course it takes labor as well to dissemble that but there's still yeah which also would create more workforce because somebody would have to make sure that these products are then removed into its parts Mm. and also maybe then designers would also start creating different patterns because they know at the end of the day when that is broken we can create something new out of that those pieces because they're big enough etc etc so there's there's so many things that we can we can work on super interesting uh you mentioned your studies oh yeah (laughs) i don't think you said anything about this before (laughs) what are you studying right now well currently i'm i'm finishing up my two bachelor's degrees like the one english and american studies is almost finished pardon for my mistakes i i'm slacking a little bit i've finished my studies a long time ago but now there's just a lot of administrative things that i need to take care of but comparative literature i'm finishing up right now and part of that is a lot of extracurricular um classes so i'm doing them at different departments and currently i'm doing mine i'm finishing mine in international law and a few of them one of the classes for example is european environmental law Mm -hmm. and one of them is like internal market law within the eu and for me i thought it was was really interesting because you cannot you don't know what what questions to ask if you don't know how the system works you know and this is why i feel like this is why i wanted to learn more about what is european environmental law like how far can i go as a company in order to change something and when do i have to bring legislation in and what can i do because you can fight a system if you don't know how the system works um and you can like i said you can't ask questions if you don't know how it works and i feel that also plays into i always ask people like on my instagram hey do you have any questions and then lately i was like they might have questions if they would know more about Mm. the product more about the material because it's the same when like if i don't know if you remember school in math class and you just didn't know like what the hell was going on and they're like do we have any questions you will have questions once you dive into a topic and find out more about it because then you know hey wait i didn't get that and then you ask Mm -hmm. questions Mm -hmm. but if you have no basic understanding of something you are incapable of asking questions and so this is why i decided to do something like that that's a little bit more challenging but i really wanted to also provide people who are purchasing my products and who are supporting me maybe like additional insight as well 
into into what I'm learning because I feel like nothing that you learn or educate yourself on is ever lost. It can always be used um, for something in your life, and so that's why. Yeah. I decided to do that. I love that. Tell me more about your daily um, life. My day, wow. <laughs> Currently, it's pretty packed, so I have a lot of stuff going on at university. How does But the creative process look like? The creative process, sometimes it's just being completely unhappy with yourself because you have no idea whatsoever what you're going to do next. Um, but for me, it's just creating. Sometimes when I'm in a, stuck in a creative rut, The only thing to do is just like, you know, I just make something for myself. That's how it usually mm -hmm. starts. I think about, hey, oh, I'm sick. And like, the thing is, so since I'm producing everything myself, sometimes when I've done the same hip bag for the 10th time, I really can't stay making it. And every fiber of my body is just like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and so I have to start doing something new. And a lot of times it, um, I just decide, hey, I've been thinking about making this bag. And then hmm, it would be really cool in this material. And then I see what else, what other materials I have in a studio and then just go about. This is how I procrastinate. I procrastinate by make, creating products for myself. And then I end up working with the materials that I have and playing around with that. And I feel like creativity happens within the process of actually doing something. So this is how I try to get out of the rut. Um, but yeah, basically my daily life is... I feel like now it's not as creative as it used to be because now I actually have to see, okay, what sells good. And that, mm. you know, if you know certain products are selling better, then you have to make sure that they're in stock or you have to make sure that you show them online a little bit more and then you can really be as creative. Um, so, and that's also where money comes into play. I feel like a lot of people don't understand that the money issue is a big thing about are you even allowed to be creative, you know? Because if you have bills to pay and no support system whatsoever in place, because I know that there's so many creatives out there who just don't have the financial means to be creative. Yeah. Um, so they can't do that. But in general, I wake up, I check my email account and see if there's any emails um, that need like urgent attention. And then I take my, my dog for a walk. This is how, this oh, is also, by the way, so if cute. you're stuck, thank you. But he's also like a really bad boy, but I love him still. Um, but so if you ever stuck in any sort of creative process or any sort of process, um, take a walk. Mm. That's what I do. I remember yeah. being stuck with like also back when I was regularly going to classes, um, writing papers. I was like, oh. I, have, I need to get this done. I can't go outside. And then I had to go outside because of my dog. So I was walking him. And it gives you time to process yeah. all that you have put on paper and yeah. also everything that you have created so far and what you can improve. And you need those down times in order to reflect, to make things better, to see, hey, maybe I could just like fix it like that. And sometimes we're just so focused on the creating that we, are, we don't give ourselves some space to just let everything be. sink in and be in that moment. So I feel like that's also where where creative juices flow most when you just take a break from things and because then there's no there's no sense of urgency and there's no stress that you need to like perform right now. Mm. Um, and that helps so much. So I'm just glad that I have Lenny. Lenny is my, my muse. 
basically so when I go out on a walk I sometimes I see something like a texture or a color palette or I see like the architecture and I'm like oh my gosh this would be so cool and also just looking at people wearing their what kind of bags are they wearing and like what features does it have and I wonder like it just having questions is like one of the most exciting things about the creative journey because all of a sudden these questions pop in and you you feel a sense of urgency to answer those and then you just like That's start so creating cool. things I love this. what kind of questions do you get <laughs> i don't know it's like it's just it's just super random at times but for me just looking okay the strap has this length and has this width and i wonder like why what what what's the difference between having a shorter and a longer strap and then you see okay this person has this style and they tend to wear this and then you just start to like create like something that's uniquely yours or it's just there's so many different things that or even like when this there was this magazine not too long ago that reached out to me about about questions and i don't answer right away because i like to let the questions sink in first Mm -hmm. because sometimes you haven't even asked yourself these questions or you might have asked yourself these questions but have never really dug deep enough to answer them and sometimes these you have to be forced sometimes to ask yourself certain questions in order to really do it and then again walking my dog was just very just gave me like I was argumenting and I was answering these emails in my head first and then I found all these wrong things I was like wait a second I don't want to think like this maybe I can approach this in that way or maybe I could how how can I explain it in a way that's not as that's more objective and not as negative or not as I'm pointing fingers at something because I feel like this is also another thing when it comes to sustainable fashion you know it is there's a lot of finger pointing yes people say well my product is the best and I don't really like that because I don't think that there's any product that's really ever super good and I feel like we just need to be honest with ourselves about the products that we're making the materials that we're using without necessarily needing to bash other things so i do believe that there is definitely like there's longevity about leather there's it's undeniable Mm -hmm. but i still wouldn't want to endorse it wouldn't want to work with it out of my own ethical needs and wants yeah so but yeah I love that. Thank you. I love the uh, ritual with your walk. <laughs> Do you have any others? <laughs> any other? Well, I love fabric shopping. Yeah. I've used to like indulge on it, but now I have to like be a little bit wiser about my money. But for me, like this is one of the most exciting things having different textures and also not every faux leather is the same and also with pinatex not pinatex is available in original and performance performance version and they have different kind of stiffness and the material is it creates a completely new bag you can have the same pattern but depending on what material you use it has a different aesthetic and sometimes i have a bag i'm wearing it and i'm like i love it and i was like I wonder what that would look like with that and then all of a sudden I remember when I was working on my first collection made entirely from Pinatex I was thinking about okay I want to have new handles and then I was looking at oh what what materials could I use and I was looking at maybe I could use metal maybe I could use that and then I realized wait a second I'm working with such a natural material why don't I work with the wood because it looks so 
beautiful with that and then i just started looking while i was like fabric shopping i was looking at different things that i could use that would complement that and sometimes it's just starting with one thing i feel a lot of times we like want to have the big picture already but sometimes it's just like focus on one thing i like that ripped texture of your shirt and then you're like that material is cool what would that would look like on a bag or what materials could would be complementary to that and then you create something completely new out of that and i just for me fabrics are just amazing so cool i just i think this is very interesting and actually very often it works like this with an outfit for example you what do you want to wear you have no idea and then you just start with the special one piece and then everything else fall into place right exactly and this is also like when you know that a material is rather flowy then you also know what style it creates and it's the same thing with bags like sometimes you know this material only like this bag style only works with specific stiffness like if the bag has a specific stiffness it would look great and if it doesn't you have to change something about it and i feel like this is just really exciting when you create a pattern working with these materials and seeing like how what does it look like because sometimes you feel like i don't think it's gonna work and then you try it and like it's not what i expected but it's something even cooler so i feel like this is why sometimes it's kind of cool to just try the fabrics that you might thought that you thought might not work for that mm-hmm. and then see where that where it goes from there and sometimes it even is, inspires i remember i created a few products in the past my first ever little collection i did back in 2016 for my first market i bought this really beautiful um suede faux for faux leather and it was gorgeous but what you need to know about faux leather if you don't roll it up and you just you fold it then you will have some how do you say fighten like how do you say Um, that like wrinkles yeah you have wrinkles on it and sometimes it's really hard to get rid of that especially if it's if they're kind of been pressed in for a long time Mm. so was cutting the pattern around those kind of damaged areas and then i realized there's like so much like waste what what am i going to do with that and then i just started cutting it up and reassembling it on a cotton fabric Mm. and sewing it back together and then I created a few products out of it and it was so exciting and it was out of necessity. Like I created it because I didn't want to create so much waste mm-hmm. while yeah. producing. And then I ended up with really cool products that I was like, wow, this is so nice. And I feel like sometimes just like trying to solve a problem can actually not, like I feel like a lot of times people are afraid that it will actually cause harm to their business if they implement certain changes. Like how do we minimize waste? But what they don't know, there's a lot of opportunity in creating that, and you don't even know what's what you can create out of that. Yeah. Once you like really focus you never on it, and go wrong with doing the right thing, and then mm-hmm. see what happens. <laughs> exactly, and sometimes really cool things happen out of that. So I feel like it's just just really embracing the process and like just letting it happen and seeing how it goes can go a long way. And I feel like a lot of times because we're so stressed. We don't even allow ourselves the space to just have fun with whatever we're doing because there's always an outcome. We always like craving this outcome. And I feel like this is what I've tried to move away from when when it comes to prototyping. I'm not thinking this is back sell. I just feel like "Mm, this could be cool. Like I like, I want to see where it goes. Mm -hmm. Um, And then without any real, that doesn't even have to be like, I don't have to sell it. It doesn't have to be part of my product range. There's certain prototypes that I've been wearing for like two years and haven't, made into an actual product um just for the fun of it because you need those downtimes. but a lot of the times we just 
we don't e- maybe we don't have the resources for it or we feel like we don't have it this is but so we need to cool. set the priority to do it so it's just i don't remember if we talked about it before or it was i talked with somebody else about it but all about the joy of the process and mm. i think this is exactly what you are describing and it's so beautiful and uh, i'm also so happy that you have turned this into a business because mm-hmm. i can see how much passion and joy you have for this thank you that means a lot it is very beautiful to watch mm-hmm. do you have a recommendation for a resource maybe it's um, a book or maybe it's something else that inspired you maybe it's a quote even mm-hmm. anything who that hit me out of left field so i don't <laughs> i'm trying to think there's actually a movie that i want to watch i haven't watched it yet so maybe it's not good but it's called slade yeah I have you know. heard of it no. um i can send you the link of it mm-hmm. um and it's basically a documentation about the leather industry mm-hmm. and for me i feel like that's a great resources f- resource for anybody to kind of figure out what goes behind what goes on behind the scenes because again leather has been there forever so we don't question how it's made and i feel this documentation would be really useful in showing people okay maybe there's certain things you need to watch out for because you know a lot of the many people don't know that but a lot of the colors that you that you have with made from real leather they can't be made through natural tanning processes Mm -hmm. so like a deep deep black cannot be created with natural tanned leather if you can't find that so if you find something that's really really bright it's usually chromed if it's something that's deep black it's also chromed leather and it's not naturally tanned so i feel like this would probably be something that i would probably would recommend i haven't seen it yet but i think it's definitely going to be like just interesting resource in addition to whatever people are using and i feel like Oh yeah, there's like, you probably know Sabina from um, Sabina Com or something. Sabina Rashimova, yeah. yeah, yeah. And she once had this shirt and I just loved it. She's like, love isn't always fair, but fashion can be. And I thought that was so nice because it is true because fashion, there's so much potential out there. Because if yeah. <laughs> because if we because we all want the same thing and we can create something that's fair for our future and fair for the next generation and I feel like that's like one of the things that I really loved about it and I'm trying to think it's just just communication I feel like this is probably one of the biggest things because we're always trying to find books or resources but I feel like podcasts like yours. I feel like are a great resource because they start conversations because when you just at home reading a book you've read the book unless you go out there and talk to somebody about it and I feel like for the longest time this is why we've been talking about me coming to the on the podcast for so long and why I have haven't been on a podcast yet it's because I didn't feel I was ready for it yet I was like, am I ex- an expert enough to be able to talk about something? And then I realized that there was really no shame in making mistakes. Yes, because sometimes we have this idea of what unsustainability means. And I have my own worldview, what, why I use vegan leather and why I don't use leather. And I've done a lot of research on it. But if I don't talk openly about it, 
people from the industry can come up and say, hey, actually, I have a different, re- I have a different knowledge about this. Maybe you can add that to your knowledge base because people don't know what my knowledge exactly. base is. And I feel like it goes along with a lot of things that people haven't talked about before. It's the same with talking about like racial injustice there is no conversation a lot of times because people are afraid to make mistakes when they say something, when in fact, this actually creates conversation where we realize, hey, wait a second, that was wrong. And somebody made you aware of it. And then you change your behavior and you change your way of thinking. And this is why conversations are just so important. Of course, it's nice to have experts and like to read up on it. But if at the end of the day, we have to communicate so that people can also add their expertise to whatever knowledge you have so I feel like just having conversations um, that are kind of guided also through experts and stuff, I feel like that's probably one of the most valuable resources we have because you will never know enough about fashion by... There's so many books out there. Yes. If you talk to one expert who is who knows everything about organic cotton and you talk, listen to them for an hour, you have more knowledge than you will ever be able to gain from a book. And so I feel like this is why communication 100%. is just like the biggest and best resource. Then thank you for coming on. The yes, <laughs> of course. Thank you for <laughs> having me. You have so many amazing insights. You touched on so many things that I think are so important to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate it. And I know, I know that many people will appreciate it and thank will be you. very inspired by it. Is there anything else that you feel like you want to share with the community? Hmm. I feel like just never stop being curious and also allow yourself to ask questions because I feel like a lot and also give feedback I feel like for me the most important thing is just communication and we always feel like we're too small to make an impact and I know firsthand that for me feedback is so vital I need to know what people like what what works for them what doesn't work for them in order to create better products And I'm sure there's so many other companies out there who are dying to hear what you have to say because maybe you're not the only one that has the same thought and maybe you have ideas that will actually bring about change. But if you're not going to ask those questions and not going to start the conversation because you don't know, maybe you're a conversation starter in a brand because you raised one question and then this person was like, hey, that's a good point. I never thought about that. So I feel like just (laughs) never, don't shy away from from saying something i love yeah. it yeah yeah thank you so much <laughs> thank uh, you for, for having me it. you're so inspiring such a beautiful human who is so committed oh, to what blushing. she's doing <laughs> and uh, yeah it's beautiful to follow your journey um i'm going to share you. all your handles but if you want to share also where is the perfect place perfect place (laughs) the best place where people can reach you um instagram is probably the best Mm -hmm. way um you can find me underscore saborka underscore on instagram and again as like i said ask questions so if you have any questions please reach out to me any comments whatsoever if there's something you've thought about when it comes to back making that you feel like we desperately need on this planet let me know because again we all have blind spots there's not everything that we know um and we don't know the things we don't know so just open communication and thank you so much for having me thank you so much for joining this conversation as always please follow the podcast on spotify and rate it on apple podcasts 
Join the conversation on Instagram at I am Desi Georgieva and let me know what else you would like to hear. And till next time. Thank you.